horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, folks, get ready. If you only go to a track one day a year, it is Saturday. It's the Traverse Stakes, a holy race of obligation, as we like to call it. It's the Midsummer Derby. It's uh, a chance for the three-year-olds to regroup. If they had an excuse in the Derby, well, there won't be 20 horses to run against. Uh as a matter of fact, in the Traverse Stakes, there's only going to be eight. So, uh, but it's the Midsummer Derby. It's a mile and a quarter. It's four three-year-olds. A lot of horses reloading and hoping to uh, make up for a bad performance in the Derby. One horse that did not have a bad performance, of course, was none other than Rich Strike, hoping for some pace in here. And Epicenter, who only finished three-quarters of a length behind... Rich Strike in the Derby, and Zandon, who only finished three-quarters of a length behind. So, boy, you want to talk about a rematch uh, of the Kentucky Derby. Don't get any closer than that. It would be interesting. I'm sure one of you, uh, you know, researchers or computer guys can figure that out. Top three finishers in the Kentucky Derby. I know they have met before in the Travers because I was there. Uh, trying to think of uh it'll come to me in a second anyhow um so it's it's going to be an unbelievable race so we're going to go to two people that follow the races very very closely at saratoga but before i get to that we hope that you now know we're going to be covering the traverse stakes so give it an extra hard listen and then go on over to winningponies.com now, I always tell you every week to go on over there and pull down our easy win forms, and I'm really encouraging you to do that this week with these large pools. You're going to be able to get away with some big bets, and nobody's going to notice that you came in, and it won't hurt your odds. So you want to pull down the easy win forms, but there's something else just to get you familiar with winning ponies. Come on over. We got a Travers contest. I won't bore you with all the details. I want to force you to go to winning ponies. Got time. Got time. <laughs> Dot com. Uh, but remember this, the contest is free, code word, everybody likes that, and there is cash on the line for the top finishers. There's other, other categories for second and third. We'll pay you back on easy win uh, 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 sheets, and we'll also have some uh, winning ponies gear, as we like to call it. So come on over to winningponies.com and get in on the free Travers contest. And while you're over there, check out what we call the bingins. And these are the ones, some of our best hits from uh, the week. And it lists, you know, the selections and what happened, what didn't. But hopefully two days ago, you were playing the horses at Colonial Downs and you pulled down your easy win forms. 50 cents, pick five. What's that cost you? Come on. 1,904. That was just two days ago. Four days ago at Laurel, 2,400. Colonial, we hit again. A 50 cent pick four paid 1,700. Now we're hitting it at Gulfstream and all over the country. So winningponies.com for the contest and your easy win forms. Now, our guests, they're going to put you on track, not only for the Travers, 
But certainly our first guest is going to delve into some of these amazing races. Dan Elman, you know him if you've ever turned on the Daily Racing Form internet uh, page, and I'm sure you have. Uh, he gives his selections out. He and Mike Beer uh, really sh- take their time to analyze the races and give you good things to watch, and then they throw the video up to support their opinions. So Dan's going to be with us. I'm going to bring Dan about three times, maybe four times a year, uh, the, the Triple Crown, uh, maybe Saratoga, the Breeders' Cup, things like that, because I like to save his appearances. So Dan's going to be with us, and uh, it, it's just going to be an unbelievable day. When you look at the uh, – horses that are going to be on the card all day long it's absolutely phenomenal so anyhow i I think the three we want to get to we'll try to lead you up to a pick three in in the traverse so the ninth is the personal ensign what a race think of these names latruska 2.9 million Search results, 1.2 million. Clarier, 1.9 million. Malafat, just over 2 million. Good luck separating this group, folks. And uh, it'll be very interesting to get uh, Dan's uh, read on Latruska. I know she lost her last race by 35 lengths. I think you can put a line through it. You might get the best odds you ever had. You know, Latruska has been the favorite 11 of her 12 last starts so that's the personal ensign uh after that i think this is where you're going to maybe find your odds and we're going to have to really uh pick dan elman's brain for this one uh the the sword dancer grade one mile and a half kind of unique yes but there's some pretty unique horses in here over half the field are millionaires again I will defer to Dan Illman and find out who he likes in there. And then, of course, the Travers. It's going to go off at 544, folks. And uh, the Travers will be race 11 on the Saratoga card. So uh, he's our first guest. Now, our second guest works just across the street from Saratoga at the National Museum (laughs) at Saratoga. Uh, Brian Bouye, he was on with us, oh, about a month or so ago, telling us about all the things, and uh, we were talking about the Hall of Fame ceremonies, and of course, uh, the Travers is the oldest race for three-year-old thoroughbreds in the United States. goes back to 1864. Well, let's talk to the guy that wrote the book. That's right, the Midsummer Derby, and Brian Bouye wrote the book called The Travers, which is a finalist for the Tony Ryan Book Award. And so we're going to talk to him about some of his favorite Travers that maybe he's seen. And then as he wrote the book, some of the ones historically that kind of stand out. So again, Saturday's card, four grade ones, and probably the top grade one is the sword dancer that that we already uh, talked about. But uh, now we'll find out the $600,000 forego. Is this a single? Could be. You're going to have to find places to stop or unless you've got really, really deep pockets. Jackie's Warrior will be uh, in the uh, $600,000 for go. I already mentioned some of the other races in there. It's the Boston Spa. <laughs> How about Chad Brown? Um, still got his legal problems pending out there, but he's won six of the last 10 runnings of the Boston Spa. 
and uh, he'll be sending out three of the short five running field in the $400,000 Boston spot. All right, we're going to catch all up with that. We got Brian. What else do we got now? What we got, and we'll see if, if Dan has input on this, is uh, the track concerns at Saratoga. I know it's coming near an end, but Hall of Fame trainers i mean todd pletcher is saying that he's describing the track as the deepest saratoga he can recall you don't forget this is a guy that's won seven eclipse awards as leagues trainer he knows what he's talking about how about hall of famer steve asmussen and brad cox uh they made their displeasure known uh according to asmussen it tightened up last weekend but what took so long they were adding clay on the 22nd if you're right to do it now what took so long? Very interesting from Steve. And Mr. Cox, he says, I do prefer a tighter racetrack than what we've had. Over the last week, it's definitely tightened up. I like what we've seen on the main track. Now, hopefully, we'll have the same track over the last couple of weeks. Now, put this one in your notes section, okay? Because Brad Cox says he believes that uh, it was really demanding on his two-year-olds. So scratch the races uh, at Saratoga and watch for them at a racetrack near you. Now we do have some suspensions coming up with Saratoga. The top riders, Irad Ortiz and Joel Rosario, are both going to miss three days of racing after being handing those suspensions for careless riding. All right, looking for something to do on Friday evening? How about going over to Charlestown and check out Art Collector? He's going to take on the local hopeful. Uh, they've not lost. Only one of them races against West Virginia Breads. That's Mudab Deeb. He's 10 for 10 at Charlestown. But most of those against State Breads, we'll see if Art Collector can do it again this year. Hope you tuned in last week. Nest, unbelievable. Is she the best filly in the land? Well, we'll find out. Uh, she was uh, the overwhelming one to five favorite off a step slow, uh, but she was just unbelievable. Uh, she won uh, over Secret Oath in Saturday's grade one Alabama. Just an unbelievable performance. Nest, will she go against the boys? Will she stay with the girls? We'll find out. But will she meet this Canadian star down the road? How about Moira? You like Schitt's Creek? How about Moira crushes the Queen's Plate? That's right, a filly against the boys in the 163rd running in the Queen's Plate. And uh, Moira got it done. And we need to reach out to our Hall of Famer. That's right. Sandy Hawley, who uh, said that if he was riding horses in that race, he would want it to be Moira. So uh, we, we had a really good time you know, watching and enjoying the races uh, up at uh, Woodbine this week. Of course, uh, Moira was just unbelievable. She beat Hall of Dreams. It was a 16 to 1 long shot in there. But then you had the grade 2 King Edward. That was a $200,000 race. I don't know if I'm getting the names right, but Filo de Arena, a Brazilian bred ridden by Kasushi Kamura, another guy that uh, Sandy Hawley said, hey, John, keep an eye on this guy. You're going to hear about him on the national scene, not just the Canadian scene. So got the job done, the Brazilian breds. So, uh, that was the King Edward, and then the uh, Canadian, uh, that 
was just a fantastic job. It was a head bob start, a great stretch run between Fev Rover, the Irish bred, and the French bred Crystal Cliffs. Crystal Cliffs came on really, really strong, but was not going to get by Patrick Husbands and Fev Rover as they stayed up to win the Canadian going a mile and an eighth. That's a grade two north of the border. Well, that's pretty much uh, what happened last week. A layout for this week uh, in very short time. Hopefully, we're going to be linked on here with none other than Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum, followed by Brian Bouye from the Hall of Fame. I'm John Engelhart. We're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Guys, with a lot of big racing right around the corner, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS for all of your gambling needs. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades thriving and paying their loyal customer base. With action on every sport across the world, we can pretty much guarantee that we got your game. So join now using Capital Ponies and get a big 125% deposit bonus up to 2500 So play with the mainstay in the industry. Get your bets down with BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid. But before you go to BetUS.com, you want to come over to WinningPonies.com and pull down your easy win forms. They're inexpensive, they're fast, and look on the site. You're going to see our results. We come up with some excellent plays every week, and the results are right there. So come on over to WinningPonies.com, get your easy win forms, and then get your action down at BetUS.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned 
tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with me, one of our favorite guests on a return engagement, none other than Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. I don't know how he does it. He's got to work seven days a week or he could never put out all the information he gives you at drf.com a lot of times with his buddy mike beer dan elman welcome back to the show thanks so much for having me john it's always great to talk to you especially before great races like the travers what a sensational race this year's midsummer derby's uh lining up to be i i know you know i i, I don't look up too many details but i'm just wondering if there's i I was there when the three triple when the three classic winners all all ran against each other and got beat by runaway groom (laughs) the year (laughs) i went and uh but uh i mean these horses in the derby dan uh finished um three quarters three quarters and three quarters lengths ahead of them so really two lengths separated the top three horses in the derby and all three are back to contest in the midsummer derby this is a racing rarity and just think that the derby winner is 10 to 1 in this race on the morning line and the preakness winner is 8 to 1 on the morning line i'm sure you've never had that before in the preakness it just shows how deep this division is right now and probably your morning line favorite 7 to 5 epicenter right now he might be the best of the bunch well, let's work our way up to the Travers. That way I know but everybody will keep listening to us, Dan. Just a sensational card. It's It starts early in the morning. You and Mike have been pumping out your videos. Like I said, I don't know when the heck you sleep. I hope they pay you overtime. But th- there's uh, so many good races on the card. One that stands out to me, and, and it's a sh- probably the shortest field in the card, is the personal ensign. Damn, is this a tough race? I mean, these are headliners. Latruska, Clarier, Malathot, search results, Yowza. I mean, for have you ever seen a, a more talent-packed five-horse field? I don't know. I mean, just think that the longest shot on the board is a millionaire. That's crazy beautiful. Who's <laughs> banked over a million dollars, has won seven times, and uh, is a pretty talented multiple-graded stakes winner in her own right. But you've got the three best older distaffers in the country squaring off once again. And, you know, search results is no slouch either. No, I did mention her as the uh, fourth horse. Uh, uh, No, no slouch at all. And uh, as already recorded, you know, a win over at Saratoga, ran third in the test, so we know it likes it. And then, you know, uh, Chad says, look, I can't win every race at Saratoga. I'll go down to Monmouth and win the grade three Molly pitcher, uh, bring Flavian Pratt with me. Job well done. You know, didn't take anything more than a 97 buyer to get it done with a three-length win and comes back as one of the very dangerous contenders, a horse I do believe you like. And right now, if they close the windows, would be paying $9. That's not bad in a five-horse field, to be sure. I mean, she's going to have to have them nailed on tight to knock off the big three. But I think you can make the argument, if you go back and you watch her Ogden Phipps two starts back, that she might have run the best race, even though she finished third. 
If you recall that day, she hooked up with Latruska early, and they went hot and heavy. In a one-turn mile in a 16th affair, they went 22-3, and 45-1, and 109-1. And, and while Latruska was gasping for oxygen turning into the stretch, search results seemed fresh as a daisy. She put Latruska away, she opened up a big lead, and then she didn't change leads in the stretch, and Clarier and Malathot, who benefited from the fast pace, ran her down. Uh, I thought she ran very well in defeat that day, and in the Molly Theatre last time out, she just beat inferior competition, but she did it very, very impressively from a visual standpoint. She's the kind of filly, again, as I mentioned, there are times when she hasn't changed leads. She didn't when she won the Acorn last year. She was picture perfect in that regard of the Molly pitcher, and I think she's going to sit just off with Trusk in the early going and maybe not attack her as early this time around. Now, you know, I I think uh, if you're a Latruska fan, and who isn't? She's a dynamite horse. Hmm. Uh, That you look at that last race and you might get extra value on the people that go, oh, gee, she's done. She's six. Look, she's showing her age. Hey, go on back and look at her PPs. She can throw in a clunker. She gets a rest. And obviously, uh, Mr. Gutierrez knows what the hell he's doing with her. And she comes back every time after a rest and wins. Um, I'm sure Mike Beer probably pointed that out to you on camera. Certainly did. And again, Latruska drew the rail with speed. And her speed is very dangerous speed and very classy speed. And we saw that in last year's personal ensign when she came off a little bit of a layoff and she went to the front and she went fast all the way around the track and she repulsed all challengers. And that was a very good field she beat as well. Uh, she's three to one on the morning line. And considering her overall quality, if three to one on the lead in a race where maybe she doesn't have to go as fast as she did in the Ogden Phipps, that might be very good value. Uh, you're right. She's bounced back from bad races in the past, going all the way back to 2019 when they tried her on turf in the Tropical Park Oaks and she ran last. She bounced back and she won her very next start. Going back to the 2020 Bell Dame where she got beat 15 lengths, she came right back and she won her next two starts in grade stakes competition. And bouncing out of the Breeders' Cup Distaff, a race in which she got cooked on the pace, she made her seasonal debut with a big win in the Royal Delta and followed it up with the Apple Blossom. She's very dangerous, obviously. Like I said, best five horse field you'll see this year, <laughs> as far as as far as I'm concerned. Now, now he, he, here's kind of the mind boggler. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to uh, address with Dan Elman the mile and a half sword dancer, a traditional classic race uh, over the grass, and. Dan, how do you handicap a 10-horse field where over half the field are millionaires? Well, you you handicap them and you start off trying to eliminate horses. And in this race, it's very, very difficult because, as you mentioned, they're all classy. Uh, I think you want to look at the pace perspective in this race because going back to last year's sword dancer, you had Trebuvan, who has a lot of early speed and was expected to make the pace in that race, and Channel Maker just refused to let him get to the lead. And that unfortunately took both of those horses and set things up for Gufo. There's a chance that could happen again. Trebuvan is here. Channel Maker is here. There might be one or two other horses that can show speed. But I think this race could very well be decided in the first quarter mile or three furlongs. How fast are they going to go? And where is the European sensation broom going to be? Because this horse ran very well in the Breeders' Cup turf last year. And I think he's in better form than he appears right now uh, from his overseas lines. 
Well, again, you, you see the name Aiden O'Brien. Uh, he doesn't come over here for the Saratoga Melons. You know, uh, the, there's a reason why he's in town. And, and really, Broom is a true router. You know, when you go through the different categories that the Racing Forum covers, uh, distance on the turf, 12 starts, two wins, three seconds. And that's where this horse is won. $1.4 million. So uh, they say there's horses for courses, but they also say a horse's best distance can be measured with a yardstick, and that might just be the mile and a half of the uh, the sword dancer. We'll find out. You can go so wide on this race. Uh, the, the name Channel Maker, I've always loved that horse just because he's such a beautiful animal and has maintained his uh, flesh so well over a career that's seen him make over $3.6 million. Uh, you know, you're getting eight to one on that horse. How about Goofo, if that's how you say his name, uh, won the race last year. I mean, you can really go deep, but I do think, like you said, Dan's approaching it from a, a pace perspective, and Tribuvan, the French bread, might be one you want to watch right now, 5-1. to one. Well, let's look at the 1,200-pound animal hiding in their stall somewhere on the backstretch of River Downs, and that would be the winner of the Run Happy uh, Traverse Stakes. Uh, it's, we've already uh, name dropped most of them and, uh, stated what a quality race is. I, I will let you know, I, I, I talked to my friend, Eric Reed a couple hours ago and Eric said, uh, that, uh, he schooled rich strike, uh, last two days. And he said, uh, the first day went over and he was really, you know, Saratoga's layout's a little bit different than just your, you know, go to the paddock, saddle up and go to the track. Uh, there's a lot to see and people very close on that one little you know, alley that you go in and out. Um, so he said, you know, the first day he was there, he says, today, he says, John, if this was a school, I'd had to give him an A. So I'm glad to hear that. And uh, he just says the horse is thriving. And as as I believe it was in an article written by uh, David Grenning a couple days ago, he says, he says, you know, look, it's no surprise to anybody. This horse needs a setup. If he gets the setup, I know he's fast. I just don't know if he's going to set us up. So, I mean, Eric's being very, you know, he's not saying I got the greatest horse in the world because he won the Kentucky Derby. He's saying if things go my way, this horse is feeling really good right now. And he's absolutely right about that. I mean, he probably doesn't get as much credit, Rick Strike, as he deserves for his Kentucky Derby win. Of course, he not only got uh, electric pace to attack, but just a beautiful ride from Sonny Leon, just saving ground most of the way, finding the spot inside and winning. Um, he didn't get the setup in the Belmont. Uh, they went about 15 lengths slower, and he just seemed about one pace, and that was a pretty good field. I mean, look at Nesbitt Philly. She's coming to that race to win the coaching club with a triple-digit buyer, and she dominated the Alabama the other day with something like a 99. But Rich Strike really ran in the derby. Not only did he get the setup, the question is, does he get the setup in here? We know there's one speed in here, and that's early voting, who sat just off in the Preakness, got a beautiful trip that day, was the pace setter in the Jim Dandy. While some are going to look at the Jim Dandy and say, well, he just didn't run very well that day. I have a feeling Chad Brown will really use the Jim Dandy for what it's supposed to be. And that's a prep for the Travers. He didn't have to win the Jim Dandy with this horse. He's already won the Preakness. The goal was the Travers, I'm sure, with early voting. He got good fitness from that race. And if he gets to the lead and they leave him alone, he's very, very dangerous at 8-1 to one on the morning line. Now, Dan Elman, uh, Chad Brown has three horses in here. Artorias, 
is a mystery horse because it's done nothing but pretty much get better and better every start. Uh, a, a son of Arrogate, I believe, won this race. Um, but then you got Chad also has early voting, as you just pointed out. And another kind of mystery horse, if you want to call it, uh, is Zandon. Um, I'm wondering, is, is there any kind of chess game going on with Chad's entries? I'm not sure if there's going to be a chess game in here. I know he likes all three of his horses. Early voting is going to the lead. Uh, Zandon, I think, could be considered more of a mid-pack runner along with Artorias. I think with Artorias, he's taking a chance. Like his sire, Arrogate, as you mentioned, one of the Travers, this horse is a late bloomer. He didn't make his first start since April the 16th. And I think Chad will tell you this horse is a little bit of an ask. He's very impressive last time out winning the Curlin. But this is a gigantic step up in class. But as for Zandon, what has he done wrong? He's never been off the board from six starts. He won the bluegrass, and he showed a tremendous amount of agility, weaving away his way through horses when Flavian Pratt seemingly made all the right moves. Now, he's been beaten by a couple of these in his last two races, and I just wish I liked his derby better. He ran great. He ran third. He got beat a length and a half. But he had his chance in that race. He had a big look at it at the 316s. He loomed outside of Epicenter, who might have moved a little bit early to make the front and uh, into that hot pace, and Zanda couldn't get by him. And then Zanda got beat by Epicenter again last time out. Maybe this is his time to shine, but I have a feeling that while Chad was using the uh, Jim Dandy as a prep for early voting, I think Zandon was cranked for that race. I think he'll be cranked for this race as well, but I've already kind of seen this act. Epicenter beat him in the Risen Star. Epicenter finished ahead of him in the Derby. Epicenter beat him in the Jim Dandy. I guess I'd rather have Epicenter again, despite the depressed odds on Epicenter. <laughs> <laughs> now you know uh, it, it, lo- it looks on paper that, that early voting is going to be the speed. He, he's he's going to be the pace setter. It, it just seems to me that Zandon might give him a little bit more. And the fly in the ointment, I really think his only shot at getting a piece of this race is the long shot, ain't life grand. And I just wonder if this horse invading from Prairie Meadows is just going to giddy up and go out of the gate and maybe force early voting to go a little bit faster than he wanted to. Well, there's a chance. I mean, he's shown some speed in his career, and he's shown some sprint speed. They've sort of taken him back in his last two races, and he's finished them off very, very well. Uh, is he fast enough to go with a horse like early voting? That's really the key to this race. I wonder how they're going to play the break with Cyberknife, to be honest with you. Uh, this is a horse that, throw out the Kentucky Derby, he's won four in a row. He just seems to be coming into his own at the right time for Brad Cox. I mean, the Haskell was a breakthrough performance, if there ever was one. A horse that was as green as the Grinch early in his career. He sat in between <laughs> horses, went through on the inside. Nothing phased this horse. It just seems like he's grown up from a boy into a man over the spring and into the summer. And he's got the technical ability and the inside post to maybe work out that sort of pace-tracking trip. Maybe he takes the first shot at early voting when the real running begins on the second turn at Saratoga. Uh, Dan, I don't know if, if you read some of the new stuff. That you, you're so connected, you probably know. Uh, Cox, uh, Pletcher, Asmussen, uh, they all had recent comments about just how too deep, perhaps, the Saratoga main track is. Have you heard any of those rumblings? Oh, yeah. This has been going on pretty much since opening day. The track, very deep, very tiring. I think it is a concern for a lot of these trainers, especially for a trainer like Brad Cox in this situation. 
where CyberKnife has trained at Saratoga, certainly, but it does not have a race over the track. And this could give an advantage to horses like Artorias, certainly, the horses like Epicenter, the horses that ran in the Jim Dandy that got a little bit, sort of their feet wet, so to speak, over this really tiring, deep track. Again, it's a situation where maybe early voting, a horse that likes to hear his feet round and care for it that much off the layoff. <laughs> we did get a little bit of rain earlier this week. Maybe that's going to kind of loosen it up a little bit. Um, but I have heard the rumblings. It has been deep and tiring, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully that won't be an excuse for any of these horses. We want a fair race where there are no excuses afterwards. Let the best horse win. No, and, and for what I actually heard uh, was that they uh, this week they've added additional clay to the track, which tells you mm-hmm. that those are uh, tightening matter, matters in their own right. Now, uh, Dan, the day starts early. I think it's like 11... 11.35 or whatever. Everybody can can look it up there for the first race. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, 11.35 with maidens. I think you got uh, you got some pretty damn well-bred uh, two-year-olds in, in the first two, including a half to Beholder, I think, is in there. Um, if not Beholder, it's another t- – t- the, the Justify Diva. Oh, Midnight Bell. Bizu, maybe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That would be verifying, I believe, in the yeah, uh, verifying first Verifying in the uh, in the Oprah. Just taking a peek at it now. Great minds think alike. Uh, that's a really <laughs> – listen, the, the Saratoga two-year-old maiden on the dirt every year on Travers Day usually uh, provides a couple of good horses. And I have a feeling this year there will be no exception. There are pedigrees all over the place. We'll be discussing that on the DRF YouTube channel tomorrow morning. Well, anybody who's anybody is going to be uh, at Saratoga this weekend, and anybody that's looking for winners will go to, over to uh, drf.com. Now, Dan, like I said, I've been reading uh, Dave, everybody else that, that's contributing. How, how do you spread out the workforce and such? I mean, this is almost like a, a mini derby in its own right. Oh, it certainly is, but we've got the whole team out there covering these races, not only for print, not only for social media, uh, not only from pictures. We'll have Barbara Livingston out there, the best in the business, taking photos. And, of course, you'll have all the analysis and handicapping on uh, DRF.com or on the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. Subscribe, give us a shot. Uh, I had Barbara on a couple weeks ago. She's the best, I'll tell you that. She's absolutely the best. Yeah, great eye candy. She compliments all the stories you guys write. Well, Dan Illman, I wish you, of course, nothing but the best. And I hope, should fate work its way, you and I might actually get together up on closing weekend at Saratoga and uh, perhaps spend a little time and bet on the speed of a steed and might even drop a dime on dinner for you, Dan. So hopefully I'll see you on closing weekend up there. That might help you get up there. Oh, I, I might be leaving now to get up there. I really appreciate it. Uh, John, Engelhardt's always great. <laughs> uh, he's buying? I'm going. <laughs> John, it's always great talking to you again. Best of luck to everybody watching and wagering out there. And, uh, yeah, good luck in the Travers. All right. Dan Illman, I love the guy. Uh, smooth as silk, great delivery, and always has super angles. Somehow, Mike Biros finds a way to slightly disagree with him or should i just say point out other factors in the races that that he's looking at so dan thanks a lot coming up next we're talking about the travers it is a race just strewn with history and i'm hoping some great stories and the guy that literally wrote the book about the travers stakes brian bouye is going to be joining us right after this break 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey guys, with a lot of big racing right around the corner, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS for all of your gambling needs. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. With action on every sport across the world, we can pretty much guarantee that we got your game. So join now using Capital Ponies and get a big 125% deposit bonus up to 2500 So play with the mainstay in the industry. Get your bets down with BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid. But before you go to BetUS.com, you want to come over to WinningPonies.com and pull down your easy win forms. They're inexpensive, they're fast, and look on the site. You're going to see our results. We come up with some excellent plays every week, and the results are right there. So come on over to winningponies.com, get your easy win forms, and then get your action down at betus.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, with us again, a uh, gentleman I got to meet just this year on the airways, Brian Booyah. Uh, he is with the, the uh, Hall of Fame Communications Director of the National Museum of Racing. That's uh, quite a job, but after what this guy has done, why wouldn't you hire him? Uh, he's got a fantastic resume, but probably the top that would land you any job in Saratoga is uh, partnering up and writing a book uh, on the Travers. 150 years at the time, Saratoga's greatest race. So with us, Brian Bouye. Brian, hey, you're, you are staying busy because I get an email from you every morning just about telling me something different's going on up at the National Museum there. Congratulations. Well, thanks for having me on. It's, it's, it's uh, our big season here, as you know. Uh, Saratoga Racecourse has been very busy this summer, and we're very busy with uh, events and programming and exhibits, and it's, it's been a fun summer. Uh, the, the crowds have been great at the museum and at the track, so we're having a blast, and uh, 
obviously this is our biggest weekend of the meet and uh, the Travers, uh, one of five grade ones on the card Saturday, and uh, we can't wait to be there for it. Now, you know, I was just talking to Dan Illman, but I understand mm-hmm. if I come up to the uh, National Museum, I can actually meet his cohort, Mike Beer. He does a seminar with you weekly, is it? Absolutely. Every, every Saturday morning uh, at the museum, we have a program called Saturday Morning Social, uh, where we offer free admission from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, we have events there. Uh, book signings, um, artist events, but we also have every Saturday we've had Mike Beer who comes in at 10 o'clock and he breaks down the uh, the feature race of the day, uh, gives his opinions on the, on the big grade ones, uh, answers questions from the audience, handicapping angles, who he likes in those races, and uh, yeah, we've got him again for the Saturday uh, for the Travers. He'll be in at 10 o'clock, so uh, he offers great insight, as you know, and uh, you know, obviously uh, we're, we're lucky to have a guy from the DRF with, with his uh, resume coming in and helping us out every weekend. Well, in penning the Travers, 150 years of Saratoga's a great race. Was was this laborious or was it a labor of love? Um, it was both in a way. Um, you know, I, I had this idea, uh, you know, a few years before the Travers hit hit its 150th, and I kind of thought I would just do a a basic history of the race. You know, talk about the great horses that won it, the Man of Wars and the World of Ways, and uh, horses like that. But as I started looking at every year you know, each year had this amazing story. And I thought, Oh my God, there's going to be 150 of these that I got to write. There's, there's just no way um, that I'm going to be able to do that much research and get the photos and put it together. Um, so I called my friend, Mike Beach, who's the museum's historian who has written a couple of uh, great Saratoga histories and, and knows so much about Saratoga's legacy. I called him up and I said, Hey, I got this idea. I've kind of started on it. Um, how would you like to split up the work and we could co-author a book on 150 years of the Travers and he didn't blink. He thought it was he thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know we 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 each split up the work and did kind of decade overviews, and uh, just had a lot of fun uh, looking through history and going through the old charts and you know getting photos and memorabilia and artwork, and uh, we we had such great help from everybody in the industry to help us put it together, and uh, so many amazing stories, and that's that's why I didn't want to leave out any of them. Each race is a uh, a story that you know tells uh, something unique about the Travers and Saratoga and. Uh, Labor of love is the right way to put it. Now, before we wrap up this uh, uh, look into your book, I know I'm sure at the end people say, man, he never told me where I can get a copy or if I ever run into Brian and have him sign it at the museum. uh, Where does one obtain the Travers 150 years Saratoga's greatest race? Well, a few spots. The, the easiest one right now is traversbook.com. It's the, the simplest way. It's just type it in. Uh, it's a website we put together, and uh, you can order it directly from us. Uh, we'll ship it anywhere in the country. And the National Museum of Racing has copies as well. Uh, there's a couple of bookstores in Saratoga. We're actually down to just very few copies of the first print run left. So uh, we're going to wow. update this next year. We're going to update this next year as our plan. Um, so this book came out in the summer of 2019, right before his Code of Honor winning the 150th. So we also have since then, uh, we got to update, we got to get Tis the Law in there, we got to get Essential Quality in there, and we got to get whoever wins this year. And so we'll have a, a new version of it coming out probably for next summer is our plan. Uh, I think I've told you in the past that the, the, the travel travers as far as my family who were upstate new york people that was wherever we were we'd meet you know whether it be boston dc buffalo um it was uh, what we called the holy race of obligation um and we just loved it. it became kind of a family picnic for us every year um we all 
pretty avid horse players too. But it's kind of interesting when you go back through the history here to think that the first horse that won the Travers was a horse by the name of Kentucky. Yeah, and he was he was phenomenal. And interestingly enough, one of his owners was William Travers, uh, the namesake of the race. Um, Travers partnered with a couple guys uh, on the horse, uh, John Hunter, who later went on to become the, the first president of the Jockey Club, and uh, George Osgood. And this horse ran 22 times in his career and won 21 of them. Um, wow. By by the end of his uh, four-year-old year, they they retired him because there was no there was no competition left out there and. Uh, he was he was a son of Lexington, one of the great sons of Lexington, and uh, one of 24 horses that won the Travers that are in the Hall of Fame. So that tells you what kind of legacy this race has had. Man, I'm not going to buy the book. I'm just going to ca- talk to Brian Bouye. This guy's <laughs> got it all right up there, unless he's got a cheat sheet in front of him. But he doesn't know any of these questions I'm going to ask him, so he, he he's flying by the seat of his pants. All right, now, in researching and writing this book, Brian, what was maybe one or two races that were, where you looked at it and said, what? Well, obviously the thing that's going to, you know, people are going to look at the upsets. And, and the, the biggest one in Traverse history uh, is Jim Dandy beating Gallant Fox in 1930 at 100 to 1 odds. But everybody knows that story. But a couple of the really unique ones, um, there was a horse that won it in 1922 named Sporting Blood. And he was owned by Arnold Rothstein, the notorious gangster. Um, and, it, and it was a real interesting sort of setup. Uh, Rothstein reportedly made about a half a million dollars in side bets on this horse. Um, Sporting Blood was a decent horse, but he was kind of a little bit second rate. Harry Payne Whitney had a horse named Prudery, a filly that had just won the Alabama uh, that they were going to bring back in the Travers, was going to be a big favorite. Um, so the odds on, on Sporting Blood were going to be pretty low. And they went even further down when um, Sam, Sam Hildreth, the Hall of Fame trainer, he entered Gray Lag very late in the process. Yeah. Gray Lag was a Belmont winner. He wasn't expected to run in the Travers, but he was there. So the odds on Sporting Blood went up, and Rusty made a lot of bets off the track. And then at the last minute, Sporting Blood, I'm sorry, the last minute, Gray Lag was withdrawn, and there was no explanation given. You could kind of do these sort of things back then. Um, and the word was that Rothstein gave Hildreth a little uh, little money to pull the horse out, but he'd already got his bets locked in, and he had information that Prudery was not at her best form. So he knew his horse was going to be in top form, and sure enough, coming into the stretch, Prudery got very tired. Boarding blood goes by, wins the Travers, and Rothstein wins you know about a half a million dollars in bets. So uh, one of those kind of legendary Saratoga stories there for you. Wow. Wow. And that, that's back when that was real money. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, that's, that's got to be several million today. Uh, you know, Rothstein had a racing stable for just a couple of years. He wound up disbanding it later on. Uh, but, but he was quite the character. He ran under the name called Redstone Stable. Um, and he had, a, you know, a few interesting horses along the way. But uh, so many stories like that in the Travers that, that just kind of, you know, you, you don't hear of. You hear of the Man of Wars and the World of Ways and the, you know, the affirmed and Ali Dars going at it, but you know, these were the kind of stories that I thought were real interesting. Um, 1937 was another interesting story. The horse was named Thanksgiving. Um, the only the only time a, a woman trainer has won the Travers, uh, Mary Hirsch uh, won the race that year, and that that horse Thanksgiving had a very interesting history. Uh, the year before at Saratoga, the horse was actually struck by lightning. <laughs> oh my so, God! You can't make this stuff up. You can't make no. this stuff up. I love it. Um, uh, now who, 
and this is a very this is a very subjective question, but um, who might, in, in Brian Bouillet's opinion, been the most unlikely winner? The horse that had no shot. Why is he, why is he in this race and he wins the race? Well, it's 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 probably got to be Jim Dandy. I mean, if you look at that year, you know, Gallant Fox was the Triple Crown winner. He came in, hadn't lost a race all year. Jim Dandy hadn't won a race all year. Um, and, and, you know, he goes out and the conditions are very muddy, um, which obviously Gallant Fox didn't like. But Jim Dandy was known to have kind of soft, soft shells around his feet. And the mud was kind of this elixir for him. And at odds of 100 to 1, he beat the Triple Crown winners. The only race Gallant Fox lost all year. It was the only race Jim Dandy won all year in 20 starts. So uh, <laughs> probably the most logical result that you could possibly imagine. Uh, you know, as I take my finger and go down uh, in what we used to call the Bible, it's it's a book they don't make anymore called the American Racing Manual. But I still have the last edition they made in hard copy, and it is amazing the uh, horses that are Hall of Famers or classic winners that just didn't show up on Travers Day. Um, who to you? I asked you who someone most unlikely winners were who were some of the most surprising losers well you don't you don't have to go too far back to, to look at what happened with american pharaoh um you know he came here uh, in 2015 uh, the conquering hero winning the triple crown uh basically having a public workout in the haskell um you know and i think bob baffert was you know and he's kind of said a couple times he was a little reluctant to bring him here he thought the horse was a little tired um and then you know they they had a, a public workout for him the day before uh, yeah. which he kind of kind of took a little bit out of him. You know, it took a little starch out of him. I thought they did a little too much with him. Um, and then, you know, here comes Keen Ice, you know, and uh, pulls pulls that big upset there. So that that's the biggest one in recent memory. Um, you, you know, there's certainly been, you know, some others that have, that have been some long shots if you, if you go through the history of it. Um, you know, but American Pharaoh's got to be the one in most recent memory that, that will stick with everybody in the Travers. You, you know, you mentioned that day, and it, it, in one way, it was the greatest thing in the world for racing. In another way, perhaps it wasn't. But I believe, Brian, like 12,000 people showed up to watch the horse work in the morning or gallop in the morning. And I think the horse thought, yeah, oh, I, it's race day, you know? It, it was it was incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when they were bringing the horse up from, from Albany International Airport. You know, he's, he's arriving like the king of Zamunda coming in. <laughs> there were there were you know police car escorts and you know red tape to bring the horse through and and uh, you know when he got there there were all these fans waiting for him on the backstretch I don't know how half of them got back there but um, you know and all the photographers and the TV stations and you know it was like Elvis had was coming into the building and it was just <laughs> a phenomenal thing and you know Bob and, and the Zayats were so great about you know showing him off to the public and <clears throat> you know they were trying to. I think that's really the reason he came here is because the Zayats really wanted to showcase him. And, you know, the Chamber of Commerce was doing all this stuff to kind of promote and bring him here because it wasn't sure if he was going to run in the Travers or not. And uh, they got Sports Center to come, and they were calling Saratoga, and there were all the signs. And, um, you know, there was so much hype around it. And, uh, you know, I was disappointed. I mean, it was it's it's great that, that you see these upsets, and that's why we run the races. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, when, when, uh, when he was getting passed toward the end there, you could just feel a pin drop in the place. You know, it was like, oh, my goodness, he got beat, you know. I do. I remember it very well. I was at a racetrack where probably about 10,000 people had wind bets on them. It, maybe some of them were just $2 souvenir tickets, but either way, it was like, oh, man, I can't yeah, race. Huh? Yep. 
Well, uh, bad for American Pharaoh. Perhaps good for this year's uh, Derby winner, Rich Strike. He's a, a son of Keen Ice that uh, w- w- will be going to post. Um, now, the the, uh, the the Jim Dandy that was a long time ago. Well, what about some of the some of the racing greats and horsemen? I mean, you you mentioned their names briefly, but my God, you know, World Away, Native Dancer, Gallant Man. I know I'm talking way over people's heads, but I'm a bit of a historian. And I have old books on these horses, which I love. But I mean, Buck Passer, Damascus. Stop me when you want. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. If if you want to see great horses, go to the Travers. It's really incredible, and, and you know, Whirl Away is remains the only Triple Crown winner to win the Travers as well. Um, you know, we had a few. You know, uh, a firm got disqualified against Alidar. Um, you know, but the, the Triple Crown winners haven't had a ton of success here. Um, you know, it's. I, I think the greatest thing about the Travers is, you know, we know a lot about these horses. You know, the Triple Crown is very special in the spring, but you know, we don't have such great knowledge about these horses until the summer. I mean, at this point now. We, we kind of know a little bit more about who Rich Strike is. We, we know what early voting is going to want to do, um, you know, and they've got resumes built up. So I, I think it's, you know, the, those races established the horses. And now a lot of times, you know, we're seeing a lot of them at their peak form and we're seeing others who have tailed off. So uh, it's a very interesting race. And in a lot of years, it can really be a big factor in deciding uh, who the best three-year-old is. So, so it's a very important race and we have a lot of fun with it every year. Well, Brian Bouye is not just a guy that works across the street from Saratoga. He's known to walk across the street and wager on the speed of his steed. I've got a minute left here. Brian Bouye's exclusive Run Happy Travers play for 2022. Drum roll, please. Artorias. Oh. <laughs> I, I, you know, I like Epicenter. He's very logical. You know, he's got the buyer numbers. He's coming off great form. Um, but I really liked what I saw in the curling from Artorias. This is a lightly raced horse that's, uh, you know, I think really about to have uh, have a, a signature performance here. Uh, Chad Brown has not had luck in the Travers. Um, I, I don't like his other two horses here. I, I think early voting. I know you and Dan were talking about this. Um, you know, he's going to go to the lead, but, you know, this track has been playing a little more. Uh, it's, it's very heavy and very demanding. Um, I don't think it's going to help him, and I, I think Chad's going to get it this year, but I think it's going to be Artorias. Very much liked what he did in the Curland, and, uh, you know, I think he certainly got the pedigree and the talent for it. Well, you know, it could be one of those trainers, you know, here, watch my right hand and don't see what the left hand's doing. (laughs) He might be sneaking this one up. And as we spoke to, it's a horse that just continues to get better and better. Is he ready yet? Well, some people didn't think Arrogate was when he ran in the Travers and won it. So we will find out. But Brian Bouye, fantastic catching up with you again. Um, One more time, quick, 15 seconds. Where can we get your book? traversbook.com or if uh, you want to order it through the National Museum of Racing's website you can get it there or at a lot of the downtown shops in Saratoga Springs all right Brian Bouye thanks so much for appearing on Winning Ponies again and if uh, God willing and the river don't rise I might get a chance to meet you in person here closing weekend at Saratoga so I would very much look forward to that and God have a great Travers Brian I know it'll be very special to you as an author thanks John have appreciate you having me on all right. Well, that was Brian Bouye. We had Dan Illman. I mean, these are, I know these are all things uh, Travers, but folks, if you're a fan of racing, 
this is the weekend where you want to be focused in on track. I know I say you should never do that. You should move your eyes around. But Saratoga, you know, it, 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 the card from top to bottom, it starts at 1135 in the morning. It goes, you know, all, all the way up and until the Traverse Stakes at 544. I believe there's a 90-minute show on Fox you'll be able to watch. Uh, so, uh, you know, Get the mowing out of the way, you know, move anything else up because it is going to be fantastic. So for Brian, Dan, my producer, Josh, by gosh, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, we got the contest. Go to winningponies.com. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.